0: Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. No that sermon series that we just began a few weeks ago. It's titled Persecution, Deception, and Disobedience. We are systematically going through verse by verse through the book of Second Thessalonians. And the overarching theme of what we see happening in this letter is that we see persecution, deception, and disobedience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we now transition to hearing your word proclaimed. Thank you for this opportunity to come together here today freely to sing songs, worshiping, praising your name. But as we now turn our attention to your word, I pray that we allow your Holy Spirit to convict us in your truth. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you're probably looking at maybe not the three most, but we're, we're talking, you know, some of the most evil men in the history of the world. Now you maybe would notice two of these men. Maybe you notice all three, but you're looking at Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and Vlad the Impaler or Paler. Some of you may not know who Vlad is, but you know who Adolf Hitler is, or you should He was the leader of Nazi Germany. Hitler is responsible for what is known as the Final Solution, which was the systematic murder of over 5.8 million Jews. During that time in history, that was 60% of the Jewish population. Joseph Stalin was the leader of the Soviet Union. Stalin forced 3.7 million of his own people into gulags and internment camps. Almost 800,000 were shot dead, and it's been said that with World War II and other political cleansing, Stalin had the blood on his hands of up to 60 million people from the years 1927 until 1953. Vlad the Impaler, leader of uh, Walchulia, which is actually modern-day Romania. Vlad is known for being the inspiration behind Dracula. Do you uh, know how he, he got his nickname, the Impaler? I'm just going to read, read to you how he received this nickname. It's been said that he impaled people and roasted them and boiled their heads in a kettle and skinned people and hacked them to pieces like cabbage. He also roasted the children of mothers and they had to eat the children themselves and many other horrible things are written in this tract and in the land he ruled. Church, these were some bad dudes. These are some bad dudes who practice lawlessness. However, there is one who is coming that is far more lawless. And we're talking about the man of lawlessness, none other than Little Horn, a.k.a. the Antichrist. According to the Bible, he will accomplish the following. First, the Antichrist will claim to be God and be worshipped himself. He will blasphemy the one true God. The Antichrist will showcase miraculous powers. He will come back to life. He will rule the world in full authority. He will control the world's economy. He will desecrate God's temple. He will attempt to destroy Israel he will cause the world's armies to fight against Jesus. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. That title is this. The coming antichrist. The coming antichrist, part 1. This is a two-part sermon series we're going to be in 2nd Thessalonians as mentioned earlier. We're starting chapter 2. Today this morning we're going to look at the first four verses from second Thessalonians chapter two. Last week, we learned that this world's suffering is temporary and that we can rest assured that the glory of God's kingdom is forever. We are also encouraged in our suffering as it's not about the suffering itself, but rather our attitude towards said suffering. That is what's more important. It's not the suffering that really matters as much as it is our attitude towards our suffering. After all, trials and tribulations are God's way of actually preparing us for His kingdom. Today, we're going to be reminded that the Antichrist is coming. That is true. Quite simply, over the next two Sundays, we're going to observe the Apostle Paul clarify misconceptions about the day of the Lord. So with all this being said, let's get into our text this morning. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-4. through four. If you have your Bible, please Pull it out and join along with us. If not, no worries. All the verses will be on your screen. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Amen. Here's these four... Verses into one simple sentence, and this becomes our main idea this morning. And that sentence states this. Jesus will gather his church prior to the all-out rebellion before his second coming. Jesus will gather his church prior to the all-out rebellion before his second coming. And when we say Jesus will gather his church... That is maybe what you've heard about in the past, something called the rapture. Jesus will rapture his church prior to the all-out rebellion before his second coming. And please do not forget, a lot of what we're seeing from Paul here in 2 Thessalonians is clearing up misconceptions about the day of the Lord. whack a Anybody played Whack-A-Mole before? Maybe you've watched your children play. Maybe, maybe your grandchildren you've seen play Whack-A-Mole. Whack-A-Mole is like at the center of the Chuck E. Cheese universe. It's basically a pillar if you walk into a Chuck E. Cheese. For those of you that haven't played or haven't seen this game played, it's really quite simple. But it's also frustrating at the same time. See, once you whack one mole, another one pops up and you have to keep whacking these moles each and every time they pop up. And that is the problem. They keep popping up. Church, this is like heresy. The minute Paul left Thessalonica, false teachers popped up and they started spreading heresy. And what we are about ready to see is Paul whacking a few heretical moles by refuting their insistence that the Thessalonians were going to be subject to the coming tribulation prior to Christ's first coming. And we observe as much in verses 1 and 2. And when we look at verses 1 and 2, we recognize that this is the fifth time, as it says, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ mentioned since 1st Thessalonians. In fact, our four verses today are rooted in prophecy. Did you know that 20% of the Bible, 20% of all of Scripture is in fact prophecy? Did you know that? In fact, of that 20%, one third is focused on the second coming of Jesus. Now let's run through some highlights within the one-third of that 20%. And these highlights are, are this. These are the prophecies that we see in the Bible. And it's been prophesied that Jesus will return to judge sinners and reward the righteous. There are... 330 prophecies about Jesus in the Bible. 110 prophecies deal with his first coming, while 220 prophecies deal with his second coming. There are 46 Old Testament prophets, 10 prophesied about his first coming, and 36 prophesied about his second coming. It's been estimated that over 1,500 verses in the Old Testament are about Jesus and his coming glory and judgment. About 1 in 25 verses in the New Testament are related to Jesus in his second coming. 25 times Jesus himself referred to his second coming. There are over 50 warnings in the New Testament about Jesus in his second coming. Coming, Brothers and sisters, we have no excuse. We have been warned. Therefore, we should not be surprised when Paul begins by stating what he states here. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, like you, I'm not confident either. That's right. I'm not confident. And I hope you're not confident. See, I'm not confident in this world system. Especially as I believe that our nation has turned its back on the Lord. This land is morally confused and morally bankrupt. Church, we're only left with one hope. And that hope is found in the last part of verse one. Our being gathered together to him which will happen when Jesus himself raptures his bride, his church. So basically what Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians on is the persecution that they're actually facing currently. Really what he's saying to those in Thessalonica is the day of the Lord is not here yet and that your present persecution is actually leading up to his second coming. That's the misconception because the heretics were telling them that, no, it was already here. But no, Paul's saying, no, this is just leading up to Jesus and his eventual second coming. Brothers and sisters, today we're seeing the same. I just want to share a few modern day headlines and current events stuff that you don't typically see in the mainstream media. Just let me read these headlines of these stories. Check this first one out. Kentucky proposes regulations disqualifying Christians from adopting or fostering children. Why? Because us Christians, we would ruin these poor little boys and girls if we adopted them we would ruin them by teaching them that god created them male and female because we would teach them something like that now this this next one is due to covid-19 this is just the headline police issue 26 churchgoers the steepest known fines in north america for attending services Each of those 26 individuals were fined $2,422 apiece for attending what is called an illegal faith gathering. Here's one more I'll share with you. Disney, Disney, like California, Orlando, Disney, Disney unveils rainbow collection for kids. Trust me, they're not talking about God's promise. So no matter what you see going on around you, please be encouraged by what we see in verse 2. I just want to read verse 2. Not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. This is where Paul begins to play whack-a-mole, or shall I say, whack a heretic. Brothers and sisters, heresy can pop up via a spirit. It can pop up through a spoken word. It can even pop up through false Bible translations, which is why Paul writes... Or a letter seeming to be from us, which is what the Bible is. It's a collection of letters. It's comprised of 66 letters. Second Thessalonians being one of the 66. And with that being said, do you know what happens? I mean, going back to, to the proposal in Kentucky about Christians not being able to adopt kids, I mean, keep that in mind as I make this statement. But do you know what happens when pronouns are altered in the Bible? I mean, as it pertains to false Bible translations. Do you know what happens when pronouns are altered in the Bible? See, the problem is this. By altering the pronouns In the Bible, you take Jesus out of the text. An example of this would be Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. Now, Psalms come in pairs. So, we understand that that is true. Most widely agree that Psalm 2 is about Jesus. Let me read Psalm 2 for you. Just just two verses in Psalm 2. We'll tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. That is clearly about Jesus. But since Psalms come in pairs, then Psalm 1 has to be about Jesus as well. Because if Psalm 2 is clearly about Christ, then Psalm 1 is. Let me read Psalm 1 to you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. See, I don't know about you, but when I see language that says, he is like a tree planted by water constantly absorbing... He meditates on the law day and night. Only Jesus is capable of doing such things. Brothers and sisters, do you know the NIV translation? You've heard of the NIV translation? Okay. Better check your copyright date in your Bible if you have an NIV. If it's 1984, you're okay. If it's the 2011 version of the NIV, you're not. See, the 84 version is definitely solid, but we need to understand that the 2011 isn't. Now, let me give you an example. One more time with Psalm 1 from the 2011 version of the NIV. States this, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way of that sinner's take or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Blessed is the one? Where'd Jesus go? Like we should be surprised? I mean, really? Like we should be surprised? Today, as we speak, there are over 45 pronouns according to LGBTQ. 45 plus pronouns. Talk about confusion. Talk about confusing. If you look at the list, I don't know where to start and where to end. But seriously, Zondervan, who is the publisher of the NIV what did you do with the Bible? The same Bible that says Jesus is the Son of God. The same Bible that says Jesus is the author of salvation. That same Bible that says Jesus is the deliverer. The same Bible that says not only have we been delivered from the consequence of our sinfulness, not just our sin, not just our sins, Our sinfulness. But also from the reign of the coming Antichrist, which will be gathered together to him first, as the text tells us, before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ second. And with that reminder, we arrive at our first point this morning, and that point states this. Jesus will gather his church from a world that's confused. Jesus will gather his church, us, the body of believers, his bride. He will gather his church from a world that's confused. Again, our main idea this morning states this. Jesus will gather his church prior to the all-out rebellion before his second coming. All right, let's take a look at our boys from earlier. Have you ever heard of the expression, never send a boy to do a man's job? Brothers and sisters, as previously stated, these were some bad dudes. No question. During their time in history, they were some bad men. History, however, has had its fair share of evil leaders. However, none can compare to the coming man of lawlessness, He will be the most wicked man that has ever walked this earth. Though he will not be Satan himself, his power will come from Satan. Which is why he'll make outlandish claims as to the extent of his abilities. And we see this in verses 3 and 4. But as we observe the first part of verse 3, we must understand that there are two things that will mark the time right before the second coming of Jesus. And this is so important for us to observe as Christians. There's two things for us to be on the lookout for prior to. These two things have to happen before Jesus can return. And the first is this, mass apostasy. Apostasy on a massive scale. A world that has completely, what this means is this, a world that has completely deserted and departed from God. That has to happen first. And second would be the man of lawlessness is revealed, a.k.a. the Antichrist. As for apostasy, it could be argued that the world today has already completely deserted and departed from God. Yes, this is true. However, however, it can always get worse. Therefore, Jesus could come today or he could return in a million years. We do not know, but we do want to know this, and this is important. Prior to his coming, the man of lawlessness is revealed. Hitler, Stalin, Vlad the Impaler, Have nothing on the man of lawlessness. They have nothing on, as it says there, the son of destruction. Therefore, what we see in them from history compared to the Antichrist is like sending a boy to do a man's job. Adolf Hitler will look like a boy. Now, let's go back to this apostasy. There's something that's really quite alarming. Due to the rise of lawlessness in the world today, I'm afraid this world, with open arms, will welcome the Antichrist. That's kind of frightening, considering the fact that the world didn't welcome Hitler. The Allies defeated Nazi Germany. The world didn't welcome Stalin. The U.S. and her allies defeated communist Russia. The world did not welcome Vlad the Impaler either. See, after all, the Ottoman Empire ambushed him and killed him. The Antichrist is going to be welcomed with open arms. Brothers and sisters, we are witnessing current day and with our very own eyes, a majority of people who welcome and embrace evil men and women. But unfortunately, we haven't seen anything yet. In fact, all that we are witnessing is part of this world's deception. Leading up to what we see in verse 4. And from verse 4, we understand that this takes place in the middle of the seven-year tribulation period, So we know that the first three and a half years of the tribulation, the world will be fooled into thinking the Antichrist is their true God. He will even be friendly with Israel. Israel's in the news today now, isn't it? Israel hasn't always been where they're at. It's not a mistake that they became a country after World War II. The reason why he'll get away with all of this is because he opposes all false gods. And it's because the world will replace one false god with another false god, and that false god for the world will be the Antichrist. This includes the false gods of various religions. We're talking Mormonism. We're talking Hinduism, Buddhism. We're talking Islam. You can go down the line anything that is not evangelical Christianity, is a false God, is a false religion, is a religion backed by Satan himself. And they will all be okay with this because he will become their God. Now, he will also oppose the one true God. However, as he does this, it says he takes his seat in the temple of God proclaiming to be God. There will be a temple in Israel... In Jerusalem, then, halfway through the tribulation, it will be created at some point in history in order for him to take his place in God's temple. He will dethrone God in order to throne himself, just like Jesus was throned as he sits at the right hand of the Father after he was resurrected from the dead. And this is ultimately how the Antichrist as it says, opposes all false gods and the one true God. And at the end of the three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation period, that is when the day of the Lord will come, where Jesus will defeat the world's opposition led by the Antichrist in the battle of Armageddon. And when Jesus returns... To defeat Satan and the armies of the world that he has conjured together to attack the Lord, Satan and his prophet will be thrown into the lake of fire. But we won't have to worry about that because we will be raptured. We will be, as it says, gathered together before all of that even happens. So as Joe joins me, I would just like to leave here today with a bit of encouragement. Especially we started off with like three of the most evil men in the history of this world, so we probably need a little bit of encouragement. Church, I'd like to like for all of us to ask ourselves a question. Just ask yourself this question mentally. What's the good fight that you should be fighting? What's the good fight that you should be fighting? Is the good fight that you should be fighting the preservation of this nation? Is the good fight that you should be fighting the social issue of the day? Should we be attacking social issues? Or the part of our mantra here at Villas Grace Church that says, go. Go. As for this nation... We have troops all over the world guarding various borders all over the world. There are countries that cannot be invaded by neighboring countries because of our troops on their border. But yet, we can't even protect our own southern border. So what's the good fight? That we should be fighting for a nation that is neck deep in apostasy? Do we want to fight for an old memory of what we once had? Is that what we want to fight for? You want to live in the past? I mean, that's like the high school quarterback bellied up at the bar, 25 years removed from his graduation, still talking about his glory days. Think Bruce Springsteen has a song about that? Or do you want to go and share the good news of Jesus. After all, it's faith in the gospel of Jesus that delivers us from the coming, as it says, lawlessness and the coming destruction from the man of lawlessness and the son of destruction. Church, that is our mission is to share the gospel that is the church's business. We have no business doing anything other than sharing Christ and him crucified. Not for the sin, not for the sins, but for our sinfulness. For God so loved the world, he died for the sin of world. And this brings us to our second and final point this morning. Gospel perception exposes this world's and the Antichrist's deception. Gospel perception exposes this world's and the Antichrist's deception. That's what it's all about. Everything that we hear, everything that we see should be run through the filter of the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news for hell-deserving sinners through the person and work of Jesus. Once again, our first point this morning stated this, Jesus will gather his church from a world that's confused. And finally, one last time, our main idea. Jesus will gather his church prior to the all-out rebellion before his second coming. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we can be a church that is encouraged like the church in Thessalonica so we can be about doing your business sharing your good news so others can come to a saving faith in you and one day maybe be raptured prior to your second coming Lord continue to Prepare hearts and open doors for opportunities to share your truth. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.